100. We'll be starting at verse 1, and this one is entitled, and again, the titles are part of the inspired word of God, a psalm of thanksgiving. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Now, when we started studying this book, we saw that the Psalms are God's songbook. And so as we see titles, titles lead us in the direction that God has for us for that particular psalm. And again, we've been looking at these theocratic songs, again, these psalms that show us God upon the throne. And so this next dynamic of that reality of God upon the throne is the necessity to offer God thanks. And so what we see in, these, in God's songbook, these psalms, is a poetic pattern to be used in the worship of God for all occasions. Now, Psalm 100 is the only one, only one of the psalms that is identified for the express purpose of the giving of thanks to God. And so we need to see that that is of the utmost importance because giving of thanks shows that you recognize the source of where the good thing, whatever it is you're giving thanks for, has truly come from. And so Calvary Chapel, Ontario, we're established in September 20th of 1998. And so September, October, November, it's almost Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is coming about in our midweek, obviously, is on Thursday night. It was back then, 22 years later, it still is. And people were asking me, what are we going to do? It's Thanksgiving. Are we canceling service? And I thought, well, yeah, we'll just cancel service. But then God started speaking to me, and he started showing me some things and how we can so easily take things for granted. We're only a month or so old, a little bit more than that. But Thanksgiving, the holiday, and, and again, people are going to be busy with family and friends. But then there was also the necessity, again, that which God laid upon my heart, well, if Thanksgiving is truly a day that we've set apart for giving of thanks, who is it that we're giving thanks to? And maybe a better question would be, who is it that the world gives thanks to? I mean, if they, you don't believe in God, who are you giving thanks to? You may be thankful, but that doesn't mean anything unless there's an object of who you are thankful to. Well, we're the church, and we recognize the living God. James 1, 17 through 18, every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits to his creatures. So how much more so should we be giving God thanks and recognizing God? And so God just kind of placed that upon my heart and it's been a tradition that we have done for all of the 22 years that we have been in existence. And so it's so easy to sit around that table and see the food on the table, not just on Thanksgiving Day, but on every day of our life, and take those things for granted and just, just assume that they're always going to, to be there. By the end of the day, on Thanksgiving, it happened to me, God blessed us, my wife and I, in a very roundabout way, but we were still stuffed at the end of the day, God provided 
And so as God provides, we need to recognize the source of our provision. It's not just an opened-in cornucopia that keeps producing food. I was looking at my fruit trees on, um, I don't remember, oh, it was Saturday. And uh, there was a little bit of trimming that was necessary. I went and fertilized the peach. Well, actually, I fertilized them all and did some pruning on the uh, lemon tree and all of those things. And just looking at that, and I'm, well, actually, I was looking at my apricot tree and my peach tree. They're right next to each other, and they're just sticks right now. They're dormant. They're just starting to come out of dormancy, actually, because if you look closely, you see the buds, and you can see just a little bit of green on it. And I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, okay, well, in another month, they're going to start having... Um, blossoms on there and then the leaves are going to come and how do I know all of these things because this is the way it's always been and we can take it for granted that it's just going to happen again but no it's, it's God as, as God is is giving us these you know every time you see a fruit tree bloom that's a blessing from the Lord that he has provided for us you know you got those cows out there standing in the mud and we can take them for granted, but God provides for us through these things, through these agencies. You know, what happens when we run out of food? Well, we go to the grocery store. What happens when the grocery store runs out of food? I've never had that happen. There's been certain strikes and all of that, and there's been a reduction, but nonetheless, we knew at some point the strike would be over and the food would return. What happens when the food doesn't return? Well, it's then that we recognize, and I think God would use something like that to wake us up. And so here in this psalm, in this psalm that we are recognizing God in that place of authority, it seems so appropriate as we end the theocratic psalm to look at God and to offer him thanks. Now, it may not be God's provision in the way that we desire to be provided for, or we desire to be blessed, or whatever it might be, but just thanking God that he is using us, brought us into his family, and all the things that go on in our lives are working together for some sort of good. I was reminded, I did a funeral just a couple of hours ago before I came here, and um, I go up and I pretty much shared the gospel, as I usually do, and and they had this really loud music in there, and so I had to go out because of my hearing and all. And um, the nurse of the person who had passed away, it was uh, uh, Steve Black was a caregiver, D'Angelo. We prayed for him before. Um, he, uh, he had passed away uh, about a, a week and a half ago. And anyway, I was talking to the nurse, and the nurse says, yeah, that was really good. They need to know the gospel. And she was just all excited about it. And we were talking about D'Angelo. He had, he, he had muscular dystrophy and all. And, um, and she goes, you know what? There's just nothing that goes on in our lives that is bad, is there? And I go, no, there's not. There's some things that are really hard, but there's nothing bad because God is seated upon the throne. And since God exercises that authority over all things that go on, we need to recognize him for that, and we need to thank him for that. So everyone who wants to give thanks to God, this is the way that God has established for us to do so. And we are told to do so in three main ways, as I broke it down according to the stanzas that are here. In verses 1 and 2, statement on how to physically give thanks to God. In verse 3, an explanation on why we must give thanks to God. And then verses 4 through 5, an invitation to express thanks through the praise of God. So once again, verses 1 and 2, this is a psalm of thanksgiving. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you... <laughs> I 
missing, this is the only part of my Bible that I'm missing scripture, and I ended up writing on the next page because the page got torn out, and so I got to line them up to get the full verse. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. The statement on how to physically give thanks to the Lord. Now, there's been times in my life, and I'm sure we have all experienced this, where people have done things for you or given you things to such a degree and such a magnitude, you didn't really even know how to, to, to thank them because just to say thank you just seemed to be so in, insufficient. A note or those words, they couldn't express the feelings of your heart and the gratitude for what they had done. And usually, you know, who's done so with purity of heart, they'd say, you know, don't, don't worry about it. And, and that just even so much more just, just causes your heart to well up, again, in that spirit of, of gratitude. I mean, our responses, we, wanna, we want our response to be in proportion to the emotion that we experience. And so if something's done, somebody's done something great for you and you're excited about that, we want to be able to respond in kind. Well, how much more so for the God who has saved your soul? How much more so for the God who provides for your every need? How can we possibly properly give thanks to God? Well, the only way we can do so is, is how God has designed for us to give thanks for him, how he has stated that we are to do so. And so how much more difficult is it? It's not difficult at all. How is it that we are to express thanks to God? Well, we are told exactly how to do it right here. And the very first thing in verse 1, make a joyful shout. And really the emphasis here is on joyful a glad shout, because again, a glad shout, it recognizes that the good things of, that God does is hidden in everything that God does. It, it's a little hard to hear from your child how hard they have it. I remember my kids when they were complaining, when everything they had was, they needed was provided for them. Matter of fact, my wife and I, so many areas, as most mothers and fathers do, we made them a priority in so many different areas and the things that we gave them, and we were, we were willing to sacrifice for them. And I look at what God has done for me, and you know, just, just putting a study like this together, and, and, and just to count my blessings, and to sit in my house, and look at this house that we've lived in since 1986, and how God has kept us and provided for us there, and then to see my children go and start their homes, and then with the grandchildren, and just the health, there's always issues, but the health that we have, and just the good things that God does, and, and if you look at within your lives, you'll see the good things that you have. We can so easily focus upon what we consider to be the bad things, but remember, those bad things aren't bad things, they're hard things. And those hard things are working together so that you would recognize the good things that God has for you or the good things that God wants to do. And so a joyful shout, this is the response of the subjects of a kingdom upon the entrance of their beloved king. A joyful shout, just to shout out to the Lord and praising him doesn't have to be shouting thankful, but just to have that outward expression, however it is that you want to express it. Now, in context here, make a joyful shout to the Lord. This is to do so as a group, for the church to recognize the goodness of what God has done. And look at the proportion to which we'll give a joyful shout 
to that which the world will give a joyful shout for the things that it gets excited about. I didn't watch the game, but it was on a couple of weeks ago, Kansas City, they were losing for just about the whole game. And then with the matter of minutes, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what it was, they scored a touchdown and went ahead. And guess what all the fans did? They made a joyful shout. And what were they making a joyful shout because of? Well, their team was going to win the Super Bowl. Now, what effect did that have upon any of their lives? Within a week, I imagine most of them kind of even forgot, not that they forgot about it, but they put it in the back of their minds. It makes absolutely no difference whatsoever. Again, how much more so for God who has eternity in store for you? And so just, just, just to give that outward expression of thanks to God, joyful shout during our time of worship, during the time that we're, we're coming together and we've designated for that, but just really any time, any time God meets you in that personal way and you're reminded of his goodness and you're reminded of his provision into your life. So next Thanksgiving, when you go to that meal, bring the noisemaker, do the wave, paint your face, get excited about it, have an outward expression of thanks to the Lord. Or just make that shout as you're praising God and you're worshiping Him, as you're praying over your meal. Do it tomorrow morning for breakfast, whatever. Recognize God and the good things of God. As you recognize the obvious things from God, again, His provision for home, family, and all those, then you'll start learning to praise God and to thank God in the small details. And shouldn't God be recognized in really every detail of our life? Because again, it's then that we're reminded that God is seated upon the throne. And not just that, but the God who is seated upon the throne is mindful of, of me. He's, he's mindful of you, that, that he's a personal God. And he, he's given us just so much. Charles Spurgeon said, Our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. A cheerful spirit is in keeping with his nature, his acts, and the gratitude which we should cherish for his mercies. And so, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all the lands. And then secondly, you express your thanks to God by serving him. That's a reaction. That's a reaction that is honorable before the Lord. This is the only thank you card that you are capable of physically writing to God, is giving of myself, giving of this energy, God has provided for me, and I give back from that provision through service to the Lord. And it's just kind of a neat thing to see that, well, just looking at seasons of sorrow on Monday night, I mean, so many different areas, I don't want to leave anything out, but, but even the, the Mercy House ministry, Mercy House ministry, um, Andy, Adamson, Mike, they, they, they kind of run it, and they have they're into the text message thing, so everybody's on the text message. They have a group text message, and when I can see them conversing, I'm on there too, and I can see them conversing, although I'm kind of disconnected from that because I just can't, I just don't have time to get involved in everything. And I see them ministering, and, and I see them giving of themselves for that ministry. And whenever there's a need, Andy will put on there, you know, there's there's a, a man who has twin children. I don't know what happened to his wife. He was homeless, but they got him into a place, him and his kids, and, but he doesn't have anything, and he needs furniture, he needs dishes, and all of that, just the people within the ministry have provided for him. 
And it just seemed, man, this, this is a people who recognize the good things that God has given them. And so as I recognize the provision, how God has given me and he's done so based upon grace, I don't deserve any of it, how much more so should I be giving? Should I be giving as I see the need arise? Because I'm just as poor and needy as anybody else is. We all are. Again, we're all undeserving, but nonetheless, God, because he is gracious, he provides for us. I think we see the perfect example here in Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 35. It says, well, actually, I'm going to back up. It says in verse 33, he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come now, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you thanks? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? And well, the idea here is, now in the context, this is end times as Israel is being persecuted, but it's applicable to all of our lives. And, and, and these people, they were just doing what a born-again believer just naturally does. And so, Lord, when did we do these things? I mean, they're just unprofitable servants doing what a servant is supposed to do. They weren't doing it with any ulterior motive, but they were just worshiping God. And God says, as much as you did it to these, these who were being persecuted, he's saying, you've done it for me. And so as I serve God, I'm not in his throne room serving his every need. I'm, I'm here on earth. And how am I serving God? I'm serving God by, by serving his people. And as we're serving his people, you know, God is saying, hey, remember when you, when you served me? Re remember on, on that one Thursday night when you did hospitality or on that one Sunday when you taught those children or the couple's uh, banquet when you served there? You were serving me that day. And, and it's, it's because God has first served us, that cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and because he has washed our sins away, it's because of that, and there's that understanding of that, that we submit ourselves to him in that spirit of worship, in that spirit of service. And so we've got many opportunities to thank God by feeding the hungry. We thank God by clothing people sick. The convalescent home, as we're in the convalescent home and I see those people that are just kind of so, so lonely and so needy just for fellowship. We have that opportunity. Ministering the gospel, again, because you support this church, I'm available to do a funeral such as I was tonight for a, a man who had lost his son that he, he, he loved. And, you know, just to, I, I, I've gone and visited D'Angelo a few times when he was in the hospital and um, and at his home as well, and, and the sickness, the muscular dystrophy, just pretty much had ravished him, but just then to see the pictures of this beautiful boy when he was a baby and a young child, and, and, and just, you know, to see him go from just like any other child and to go to where he was in a period of 20 years, and how hard that must have been, but what did the father want? He just wanted the gospel preached, because D'Angelo, I remember going over there and he wanted, to, he wanted to make sure that we were doing the internet, the Facebook feed of our, our service right because he wanted to watch it on, you know, on, his, uh, on his computer. And, and you just see God in the middle of that. 
as far as in the flesh, you don't understand. And matter of fact, you're probably pretty angry about all of that. But when you recognize God is in control of all of this, you submit yourself to the will of God. In James chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, it says, If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. It's to serve God by serving people. In this particular context, it's serving those who can do absolutely nothing for you. It's one thing to serve uh, uh, somebody who you're able to get something back from. It's not even really service. But if you're serving somebody who can do absolutely nothing for you, well, that, that is pure in the sight of God. And then we see there's a third way here of God to be thanked. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Just worshiping the Lord through song. We've looked at this time and time again in the book of Psalms, but there's just something special about singing. We just, when we're joyful, when we're happy, we'll sing. When we're not so joyful and not so happy, we'll sing. Again, I didn't teach any of my kids to sing, and you may say, yeah, I've heard them, that's for sure. No, but I didn't teach them to sing, but when they were little, even seemingly just before they can even really talk, they were singing some sort of, you know, some sort of gibberish or whatever it might be. And my point in all of that is God's just made us. He's created us with this desire to express our adoration of him in song. And it's just really an amazing thing. There's just something about God's people coming together to sing that touches his heart. And so how is God to be thanked? Well, there is the verbal witness that we are to shout. There's the physical witness that we are to sing, and then there is the, I'm sorry, serve, and then there is the worshiping witness that we are to sing out before the Lord. 2 Samuel 22, verses 50 through 51, Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, amongst the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king, and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. How much more so should we be singing that new song with the fresh aware? Well, back in Second Samuel days, they didn't understand grace like we understand it, because they didn't experience grace personified in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got the gospel. Christ has come, and you've seen the changes that he has worked out. How much more so should we be praising his holy name because we now understand the fulfillment of the salvation for mankind. And again, we've seen the difference that it makes in our very own lives. And again, it should put a different perspective on this last song tonight, the first song on Sunday morning. It should get you to church service on time. And on time means at the top of the hour and not just before I come up, but when the worship team comes out to be prepared and have our heart ready to worship him because the worship of him is an acknowledgement of him. And our worship is to be done with a spirit, a, a thankful spirit based upon not just what he has done, but again, what he continues to do. Secondly, 
we'll look at this in verse 3, an explanation on why we must give thanks to God. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It says, know that the Lord, that Yahweh or the God of the Bible, he is God. Man has made many gods. There's many things that God worships. There's many places that man has gone to worship. But truly, the only one who is worthy of worship is the God of the Bible, the God who has revealed himself to Abraham, to, J to I Jacob, to Isaac, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses. And he has revealed himself to you. And he is the one well, we worship him because of that. To understand why we are told right off that there are certain things we must know. And again, who is the center of every Bible study that we've ever done? It has to be God. We do a study of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's God. Jesus Christ is God. The Father is God. And so it's all about getting to know God even so much deeper, even in such a greater way. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39, Israel. Israel is preparing to go into the promised land. Now, God had delivered the law to Israel some 30, 38 years before that time. Israel wandered in the wilderness because of a lack of faith. They couldn't enter into the promised land. Now they're back up at the very gates of the promised land, this time preparing to enter in. Deuteronomy literally means the second giving of the law. And so here they are. They're preparing to go in, and there's many other things, but one of the things that they are being told is the leaders have gathered together and a lot of the people have gathered together. Again, Deuteronomy 4.39, Therefore know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. Know this. Know this, he's telling. he's telling these people who, not them, because all those who had been released from Egyptian bondage that were 20 and over have perished in the wilderness, but know these great things that God has done. Enter in and know the same God who has delivered you is going to be the same God who meets you as you enter in to your Christian life, as you're entering into your tomorrow. Know that he is God and nobody else is. The God that saved you is the God who is watching over you and continuing to keep you. And give thanks towards that because thanks, again, it's not that God, you know, I, I need to be thanked. It's not so much that. It's you, that you need to thank God. And that ministry is in actuality going to be that which you receive for abundantly. We must know that he is God, but that itself is not enough because there's many that acknowledge God. I must also acknowledge that he is my creator, and I must acknowledge that he is my redeemer. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. God created. Who are you? Who are you? Who you are is who God desires for you to be. And, and everybody is fearfully and wonderfully made. And so we'll so judge one another according to personalities or outward appearances or whatever, but all of God's creation is beautiful in the sight of God. And God has created us the ways that we are, and we are to thank him for that. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
My God is my creator. My God is my redeemer. I don't need to know myself better. I already know enough about myself. I need to know my God to a greater degree. John Calvin said, the natural result of knowing God is to know ourselves, and that the only way we really know ourselves is by knowing God. Knowing God and knowing ourselves always go hand in hand together. And so what does he mean by that? Kind of like Isaiah, Isaiah in the throne room of God. He realized he, he came to know himself. I'm a man of unclean lips. And so the greater degree that I come to know God, the greater degree I will come to know myself. And as I come to my, know myself, I will come to the realization that I am poor and I am needy and I have a great desire for God. And it's God who, when I acknowledge that, he gives to me and I will have that thankful spirit. It's the unbeliever who refuses to acknowledge God who has an improper perspective of themselves. And as they have that improper perspective of themselves, they fail to recognize the need for God because they have no needs, or at least they believe they have no need. And in the end, they'll find destruction rather than eternal life. If you don't know God as creator and redeemer, then you do not know God whatsoever. If you don't know God, then why would you thank him or worshiping him? You wouldn't do that whatsoever. And so as he uses that illustration of a pasture, once again, it puts Jesus in perspective as the great shepherd. In John chapter 10, verses 11 through 12, I am the good shepherd. When he says I'm the good shepherd, he means I am the only good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. It's during that time of attack that our Lord is there and our Lord provides for us. Verses 14 through 16, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, if you remember when we studied the Gospel of John, there's the sheepfold, and this is a sheepfold that's in the middle of a town. And so the shepherds would go, and they would all bring their sheep, and the sheep would all be mixed together in the sheepfold for safekeeping. The shepherd would spend the night in town, do his business, whatever it might be. And then when it came time, the shepherd would come and come to the sheepfold, and now he would have a mess. But what he would do is he would call his sheep, and his sheep would recognize his voice, and he would lead his sheep out. And he didn't drive his sheep because sheep can't be driven like a cattle drive. He just goes and his sheep follow him. Why? Because his sheep understand that the good things that happen in their life, they come from that man. They come from that shepherd. And because of that, they follow him. I've understood that my salvation has come from my relationship with Jesus Christ. We're in the sheepfold. And there's other shepherds. There's other shepherds. They're not the good shepherd. They're, they're hirelings, and actually what they do for those who follow them, they'll lead them out there, and the wolf will get them. The devil will get them. But for our shepherd, he has done good for us. When we hear his voice, we follow him because he knows me. 
he knows me by name. When it says that he knows us by name, it doesn't just simply mean by our, the physical name that we have. He knows your nature. He knows the essence of who you are, and he still claims you as his own. He still cares for you. And so when you come to that realization, as I know God, and because I know God, I, I know myself, and, and as I know myself, I understand that I fall way short, but I understand that God continues to care for me, and then it should lead, again, to that spirit of, of thanking God because I realize that I deserve absolutely none of this. So in the midst of sickness, in the midst of poverty, in the midst of joblessness, we still thank him because he is God. And God is our creator and redeemer. And as that is the case, we see the goodness that he has done and we thank him for it. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you, Lord. And then thirdly, lastly, we see an invitation, invitation to express thanks through the praise of God, verses 4 and 5. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his... Yeah, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. In order to express thanks through praise, you need to enter in through his gates. The idea here is, isn't just presenting your physical body to church. The idea here is, is to bring your heart with you when you come to church. Or it's not just to physically sit there and do a devotion, you know, read your devotions, read the Bible every day, but to bring your heart into the matter, to understand that this is God's letter to me and it reaches me where I'm at and it reaches me in the things that I'm going through. This is to understand that this is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a superficial re, uh, religion. And if that's being the case, I need to personalize this. I need to enter in. So again, it comes back when, when I'm coming to church, am I prepared for that? I mean, if I told you that, well, today we're going to go enter into the throne room of God. Just literally, we're entering into the throne room of God. I've gotten this personal invitation, and I can bring whoever I want, and I'm inviting you in there as well. You'd be excited. You'd be thinking. You'd want to be prepared. What does it look like? What's it going to be like there? There'd be a million questions going through your mind, and you're going to be, well, okay, is there stuff I need to repent of before I go in there? You just want to be well prepared for that. Well, if you truly meet God at church, shouldn't you be prepared for that? To enter in and to have your heart prepared before God, recognizing God for who he is and what he's done and having that thankful heart. Sometimes we can come here, but we just simply don't enter in. We're more on the outside looking in, outside in worship. We're, we're standing because everybody else is standing. We sit when everybody else sits. Or fellowship, we'll just kind of shoot on through or isolate ourselves from that. Or serving, well, other people are serving, it must be okay. Or, or, or praying, are we truly lifting up our church? Do you pray for your pastor? He needs a lot of prayer. Are, are, are we truly entering into these things, into the dynamic of true, what a true church, a true organization of God really is? 
to the degree that God's people enter into that organization that is to be a church, to the degree that they enter in will be reflected in the power that is worked through that church. And again, the most important person that I could ever invite to church is myself. The most important person that I could ever invite to stand before a holy God is myself. Make this personal. As you make it personal, your praise will be the visible manifestation of a thankful heart based upon who God is. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 through 16. Therefore by him let us continue off to offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share with what such sacrifices, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Look at verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures for all generations. We praise God for his goodness or his holiness. We praise him for his mercy. I have not gotten what I deserve. And I praise God for his truth that he has revealed himself to me. We look at these things, we consider these things, and see how these things relate to your life. See where change might need to be made. Open up your hearts to the Lord, and, and don't have church just being some place that you go, or Bible study, just something that you do, but have it, go there expecting your life to be altered. Go there expecting to meet God and for change to come into your life. If you don't expect it to happen, you'll probably never realize that God desires to do those things. If you come expecting those things to happen, I guarantee you God will be found faithful in those areas. Father, once again, we just thank you for your goodness and your graciousness. We thank you, Father, that you have brought us together as brothers and sisters. We thank you, God, for, Lord, just uh, seeing you as creator and as redeemer. And Father, we can just look at so many good things that you have done and continue to do. But nonetheless, Lord, I just pray that the, all of the, the, the recognition of those things will be expressed even in this last song, even through our time of worship. And so, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your goodness and your graciousness. Just pray, Lord, that you continue to do a good work in our lives. I pray for those that we have prayed for at the beginning of our service. Move in their lives, God, in a very real way that reveals yourself for who you are. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. We all stand.